Welcome to Living a Better Life podcast with your host, Madeline Golick. This is a weekly podcast exploring a variety of topics on how you can live a better life, not just physically, but in all aspects of what it means to be human living in a modern world. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not replace professional or medical advice. This podcast is sponsored by Ecophysiotherapy, where their mission is to educate, empower, and rehabilitate you back to health. Without further ado, please enjoy the show. Welcome back to our wonderful guest. So today's podcast is going to be a little bit different, where we are going to be focusing in on will I have enough? And this podcast is going to be looking at, you know, maybe you're thinking about renovating and you're wondering, am I going to have enough? Uh, Maybe you're thinking about retirement. Am I going to have enough? Uh, What about my health? If that declines, will I have enough? So we're going to be taking a look at financial health. And my guest today is Jurgen Rudolph. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Um, so I guess we should probably talk and build a little bit of context before we get into this conversation. Can you maybe talk a little bit about how long you've been a financial planner for? Yes, I've, uh, I, I started now being a financial planner to actually call yourself that is a certified financial planner that I, I received my designation in, in 2000. However, 10 years before that was when I was hired by an investment firm. Uh, actually, at the time it was London Life who got purchased. But that's where I, I learned planning, I guess it would be. But let me correct that. I would say I learned planning before all that because my previous life, I spent four years in the military and I was in an infantry unit where when you're learning missions and things, there must be a plan. So it's almost like a, a university of planning that I got to go to before starting on my planning journey. Awesome. So can you talk a little bit about what, like how does your practice work? Um, you know, like are you affiliated with a bank or independent? Like what does what does your practice look like? That That's a very good question because it can get confusing who's who out there. The practice that I have is an independent practice and that sometimes takes a while to build up because you need you need to start at a big company the the problem that i had with all that is you're you're forced to sell that company's product so i have a bias that i think you know as an independent i i think that is your ultimate goal is to use an independent planner because there are no biases for what they're recommending they're not there to sell you a product they're there to they're there to sell you their advice you know, it sounds hard for selling, but that's what you're getting paid for is is your advice. And that advice can mean a lot sometimes. So you've you've talked about advice, you've talked about planning and you know, out there is like financial planner versus financial advisor. Can you talk a little bit about sort of the difference? Because I, you know, I think people just kind of go to the bank and like, here's your financial advisor. You know, what does that even mean? It's quite a topic right now because it's misleading if you call yourself a financial advisor and and there's it's a going back and forth right now between all the regulatory bodies on what you can call yourself. A certified financial planner can pretty much call himself whatever he wants. If you want to call yourself a financial advisor, go right ahead. However, the goal is if you want like the one that 
what, what I like to compare it to is your CA, your chartered accountant. You can't call yourself a chartered accountant if you're not a chartered accountant. Same as if that's where the certified financial planner, you can't be calling yourself a financial planner if you're not, I guess, certified. That's your, you have to take all these courses to become certified. And it doesn't end at that. Each year you have to, as in your profession, continuing education credits, whether you're taking courses online or going in person. They're even letting you get creative now. You could do podcasts or things, but you must, you must fulfill requirements such as not just product, but the financial planning ethics. Uh, you know, I'm forgetting a few here, but there, there's quite a few categories to make sure that, that you're, you're up to date. Yeah, that you're up to date and you're doing a good. Like you. you well, you have to be competent. I yeah. mean, you're dealing with people's, you know, money and and livelihood, so you need to be. You want to be certain that the person that you're seeing and seeking advice from is going to be acting in your best interest uh, and not necessarily in in theirs. Yeah. So, because this is something new and I'm really curious on perspective on this, robo-advisors versus a real person. So now you can go online and you can do your own investments and all that kind of stuff. Like, okay. talk more about that. Thank you. So... <clears throat> Let's, you know, if you're, if you're listening in Canada, we, this has come from Canada. So the, the commercial on TV right now is you're taking a third of my retirement income and the quest trade one and to give them some, some advertisement here. It's, it's good. I think it's a good motivator. That's not planning though. That's investing. So what they're saying is you don't need to go out and buy this mutual fund or this, you know, that's their premises. You're, you're paying too much in fees. No one's giving you advice on it anyways. Just do it online and you don't have to give a 30 year retirement income away. Now you're going to get to a certain point where that's not what you do. Like you can, you can put money away in a robo advisor, but sooner or later things do come up and that's where you need that professional advice and planning that you can't get for free. Like those robo advisors are very, very cheap to use. Like that's the, uh, great. I mean, they're, they're almost free. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. And if you're a certified financial planner, it shouldn't affect you anyways, because this is evolving to where, and I know this is going to sound anyone that's got a financial planner out there, unless you're in the top, maybe 1% of this, it's going to sound a little out there, but the financial plan is where I see things going is what you're going to be paying for. And the advice on that. The investment I'm noticing is starting to become very commoditized. And mm-hmm. I never knew what that word was when it was coming out. But meaning they're all pretty much the same. There's not much difference. So it's the planning that's becoming the important part. So so I think that's, you know, coming back to the ultimate question of like, will I have enough? Right? You can invest in this stock or this, that or the other through a robo advisor. But at the end of the day, it doesn't tell you. Will I have enough for the things that I want to do in my life? Or, um, you know, will I have enough for my kids' education fund, et cetera, et cetera? You're just seeing, you know, whether your investment's up or down. And, you know, for somebody who, like myself, doesn't really know finances and stuff like that, like I could be investing, but like, do I have any idea of if I'm moving in the right direction or not? We- so, you know, with robo advising, like, does it does 
it answer the question? No. Okay. No, that you're not yeah. going to get. So as you're saying that though, here's what give your audience a little behind the scenes on what's happening out there. This is a Canadian model. Now, Canada's they're over the barrel in the world right now because it's some of the highest fees you get charged in the world or in Canada on it. So that's why the, the robo advising is is becoming attractive. So because of these fees behind what's happening is you now you have a robo and I make sure I keep the whole process together here. You yeah. have a robo advisor or that what you see on TV. Yes. So now they've identified that. That's very good for gathering your assets. But then like what you say, well, I've gathered my assets, but are they coordinated? Are they working with my insurance? Are they working with my pension plan? What about my, well, you're a business owner. Now we got, now we got you know, the other moving parts that are coming in. So a, a financial plan is needed. And the, the robo-advisors are getting bought by, some have been bought by investment companies. So they can have both ends of it. Well, the problem now is you're still buying product. So they want to buy their software programs out there that let you do your own financial planning. And one of the ones I use, which is Snap Projections, give them a, a plug, got bought by Wealthbar. With the idea being every Canadian has the right to do their own planning and have access to that type of planning at a lower price. If you can pull it off online, great. If you can do your own planning, it, it's, it's great. However, I use the software myself and I'm a certified financial planner and I can see how complicated it gets. So if someone that's an investment advisor is listening to this, I would say get very excited because if you get good at planning, you're going to have a job for a long time. Because what's, what's going to be given to the public to say, hey, you can do your own planning. They're going to realize, oh my God, how do I do this? now because there's so many moving parts and how do you keep the data and not even that bit of it i'm constantly updating these plans but i'm paid to do that so if i'm not paid to update my own you have to get motivated to do your own work yeah well this is my profession i'm coming in going okay here's the people that i get to go in and work on their plans today because the year just switched well there's new limits on what you can put into your rsp there's new limits what you can put in your tax-free savings how long is all that going to last and, and how do I know when I, to come right back to your original question, to find out how long that money's going to last is I need to put it into a plan, but I need the plan to be accurate and constantly updated. Right. Um, we, we haven't really talked also about considering, um, you know, the CRA and, and the taxes that are going to be implemented on those different investments and how do you, you know, you need to plan out what, right? Like you can invest and be very good at it, not necessarily realizing that like the government's going to take half of it, right? Yeah. Not exactly a great plan. Or we hear things in circles and say, this applies to everyone. As a business owner, you should never buy RSPs. You should always be buying TFSAs because later on in life, it's going to cost you more to get it out. That's what an accountant will tell you. Right. However, that you can't put everyone into a box and say this. So you need that individual plan for the person or their entrepreneurial journey or whatever they're doing. But to have that plan and constantly update it. And there's a quote that goes through my head and I'm a sucker for ex-military quotes, but it's a general uh, Eisenhower. He was president of the United States one of those years back in the 40s. 
and he goes, uh, in all his years of combat, he's found that plans are useless. However, the process of planning is, is the ultimate. Like that's the process of doing it is what's going to give you your success. The actual plan that you have, it's almost outdated the minute you get it. Well, cause it's, it's a constantly it's a evolving and changing, you know, picture of what's happening financially both within your own personal finances but also with like all the changing tax stuff and government changes and limits change yeah every your 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 age changes too and so when you're planning like these plans do they are they projecting like based on the numbers right now we're projecting that at 80, 90 years old, like this is what you're going to have, etc. Yes. So that I, <laughs> this is where, okay, you don't know what, like everyone, you got to plan until you get a punch in the face. <laughs> it's like, that's the Mike Tyson quote. It's maybe I should have a better person to quote than him, but it, it makes sense. I mean, here's someone who got into a ring and said, everyone comes in with a plan until something happens like a 2008 stock market crash. We haven't had one of those for a while. You know, that right now, all these plans, you know, you can put some randomness in them or there and say, okay, what happens to your investments if they lose 20% next year? How long is that going to last? And I, I think it's good to put that type of testing in. But your trajectory, you can, what, I'm, what I find is you have a trajectory that you've built and it shows you where you're going to go into the future. And the plan helps identify that. And say, here's the changes that you may want to look at making to change that trajectory that you're on. Now, there's going to be outside factors that come into yeah, play. Yeah, things that you are going to happen. You can't control. Yeah. But at least you're aware of it on the plan. I don't know if that helped answer yeah. that. So, let's maybe... Okay, so... Like, what does planning... What does a financial plan even look like? Like, what are, what are, what are you looking at? What are all the components that, like people may not be considering as part of their financial planning. So the the software I use and the plans that, that, that we build here and the team I work with, that I collaborate with, the the financial plans are tax are tax based financial plans. Um, which I think applies to most people because the tax does kind of it's the tail wagging the dog here. Yeah. So what what makes up your financial plan? And you know what I wanted to do right away? I wanted to get all geeky on you here and start getting into all the numbers. But I think what makes up the plan, the most important part is what your vision is. And to be able to communicate what your vision is and to also know what obstacles could be in the way. And if you can communicate those things that don't have any numbers really to them like or have soft numbers or they're not hard... I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but it's it's the stuff that we tend to move over quick to get into. Okay, here's here's what the answer most people are going to say. We need your income. We need your dividends you're taking from your company. What you own in assets. What you owe in liability. Children's education plans. Your insurances. All of that gets captured on the software to do the projections. But I still want to go back to that beginning part. The goals and the objectives is what is going to help all that make sense. And one part that I find is very hard is the action plan at the end. Like you, 
You're, you, no one's going to have a perfect plan. You must take action. And that's follow through. So that's the part that, for me, I, I find that's where people get, I guess, clogged up a bit. And to find a way on your action plan how to start implementing it. Um, you know, best practice for financial planning for your audience going to a financial planner is be engaged. The more you're engaged with that financial planner, they're, they're going to they're gonna work for you. Um, it's, it's the ones where you don't get back on stuff and you don't get back. That financial planner's got other people too that are getting back to them. So they're going to go automatically to the people that are getting back to them just as a, I guess, a behind the scenes. If you are working, when you are working with a financial planner, being engaged is really going to help. Well, because it kind of gives you the the materials to which you can do what you need to do to help them reach their goal of like, will I have enough? Yeah. yeah. And something I heard is tell everything, like even that small little detail, it's that that planner is going to pick up and go, whoa, whoa, that's a, that's a big game changer. You didn't even think about it. Like it stuff that, you know, it takes a while to pull it out and go, oh, okay, that's the black swan. That's going to change everything. And, I see that happen a lot. We think it's not important, but you do need to, I guess, be engaged in. Absolutely. The conversation. Um, what about like the actual investments? Cause I think people, you know, sometimes people get excited about like, okay, like stock market and I want to do this and that. And like, do I do GICs or mutual funds or like, TFSA, oh, like do people, funds. you know, people, people get super excited about like the, I guess, investment part really, because it's like, oh, you know, like what's my return going to look like? Am I going to make some money? You know, people want to invest their money to make money. Right. Um, so what about like, how does that part fit into the whole plan part? Getting into my, I love this spot. Well, you're there, you watched it and this will, you'll be able to. You'll answer this one. Fear and greed. That's the things you got to... And uh, I think what I want to talk about is... Okay. Because this is an example. You saw this. You were there when I bought Bitcoin. I bought Bitcoin at whatever it was. $100. Yeah. Okay. So I know anyone that knows about Bitcoin is going, Oh my God, Madeline, guy's a gazillionaire right now. So, no, I'm not. Because there's fear and greed. So Bitcoin, at that time, trading at whatever, $100, $200 of Bitcoin. Right now, I, I haven't looked it up, but it's probably, I don't know, eight, 9,000 US. Yeah. Was that 90 times return on your money? The, but I didn't go take a line of credit or take all my savings and put it in there. Because I had fear. I'm going, this is a digital thing that... What the heck? It's completely uh, new and I don't know. Yeah. Like, we'll just put a little bit over here just to see what happens. Yeah, like it makes sense. It's digital. You know what? I'm a financial planner. People come to me for advice. Hey, you better know what this stuff is. Go buy it. Now, yeah. I'm not, I don't know if I'm allowed, certain things you're not allowed to talk about or you got to do disclosures on. So, um, when Bitcoin's at $100, go put a lot of money into it. But right now, I don't know if I'd be mortgaging my house to go in it. And I, I, I don't know. It's tough when it, certain things will mess you up. Like maybe Bitcoin is going to go from 9,000 to 90,000. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe but it's going to go from 9,000 yeah. to nine. Because <laughs> I've seen that happen. I, I've been in this when Brex, you know, we're making a joke about that because someone wants 
high returns with low risk. Well, that was Briex, and I'll give a little history on Briex. Briex was a darling Canadian company. It was uh, it was finding uh, gold in Indonesia. Imagine that they're finding this gold in Indonesia, and it's just like tons of this gold. This is kind of the internet's kind of not fully going yet, so you can kind of BS people a bit. And we got these core, so what happens with gold or any minerals is you do core samples and you go into the ground, you pull the core samples out and they look at it and go, oh, this land they've got's a jackpot. Except you get those core samples from another spot and just say, hey, these, this is what's in there. And it all got found out and a guy got pushed out of a helicopter. I mean, you can look at all this up. It's a story on it and getting pushed out of a helicopter when it's up in the air, very high is not good. You're going to die. So he was the head geologist on it. And that stock was, I mean, it went from whatever, $2 to $200 back to zero. But to come come back into, there was a lot of, where I'm going with the fear and greed, that was a greed thing where I don't want to miss out. You know, you're in Canada listening to this. You've all heard the baby Nortel. That was given to a lot of people. It just came along. Like you own Bell, you own Bell stocks. All of a sudden you got Nortel stocks and they go from, a lot of people free to $120 a share. You think about that. If you had 1,000 shares, another $120,000 right back down to zero. Right. And people were buying it. And I'll share something with you. Just people out there will get hard on themselves on their losing picks. At that time when Nortel was going down, I'm in a brokerage office with these guys coming in from our mega city, Toronto, Brokers, I won't name the company, but they're telling us how we got to buy this investment they have because they're loading up on Nortel at $40. I'll never forget this. They're the geniuses. They're buying Nortel. It's, guys, this is the best deal ever. It's, it was at $120. It's at, it's at $40. It's never going to see $40 again, like, meaning it's going to go back up. Yeah. They were right. It didn't see $40 again. It saw $30, 20 10 0 but it was greed, you know, greed saying we're going to exploit this and make money off it instead of having a sound financial plan. You know, we're always looking for that big hit. I don't know if that answered your question. I kind of went well, I that. well, kind of in the sense that you know we sort of sometimes can get excited about things and we want to rush on the boat that everybody's kind of rushing on because it you you know it looks nice, it yeah. sounds good. Oh, you could get this, 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 and this. Um, again, I think it comes back to, uh, will I have enough, right? Like that's just like one slice of the picture. And I think, you know, the, because obviously we, we've talked about it, like the, the, I guess the messaging that I'm thinking of is okay. How do I invest my hard earned dollars? Like, yes, I might want to play a little bit in the stock market. I might want to do some high risk, you know, if I have a little bit, but I have to be willing and understanding that that may go to zero. So what are all my other things in place? Like you can't put all your eggs in one basket is essentially the message that I get when it comes to planning. You want to have a diverse portfolio. You want to take into consideration multiple things. But if you have a little extra money that you're not going to um, be, you know, out on the street, if this goes to zero, like you may want to play in some something like that. So I think when it comes to the investment side that, you know, sounds really nice and almost like lottery, like, you know, you really have to consider what are the consequences if the lottery ticket is a, is a losing one. Right. And I think the point I want to make is I sit here, I hear what people are, the ones that want to hit the home runs, 
right? Oh, right now I'm going to flip houses because housing market's going up. Then it's, I'm going to, you know, everyone was a Bitcoin expert before it hit 20 grand and went back down. It was, everyone's in to get the cryptos. You don't hear it as much now. Uh, you know, you can pick all the trends as you go back. And I think that's what I want to say is you got to be careful on that. And a, and a trend right now is you want to buy the individual securities. You know, like I just had a Morningstar, which is an analysis, uh, well, it's a, a company that just does investment analysis and, you know, everyone's heard of Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett. And it was like, be careful thinking because Warren Buffett's company, Berkshire Hathaway, that has a lot of stocks in it. You're saying that's safe because it's like a mutual fund and it's not like a mutual fund because it's not diversified. It's just saying these are my likes that I'm buying in Berkshire Hathaway as opposed to a something that does a global dividend ETF, which is more diversified of a whole market. And I'm getting into some fancy words here, but yeah, was, it's just, I, I can not like, watch that. Yeah, my eyes are glossing I'll, over now. I'll shut up on all the names, <laughs> which I'm probably, you know, it's funny. If there's any financial planners listening to it, boy, that guy's walking the line on compliance. Because you have to be very careful on the advice yeah. you give out. Because if an audience member to go buy Bitcoin, all of a sudden it goes to zero, you're kind of liable for the advice you're giving. Yeah. To do it. So as a disclosure, again, is please don't be taking any of this and going out and buying. Well, you won't be able to buy Nortel or Briax, so I'm safe on that. But Bitcoin, be careful. Yeah. Obviously, this is more for informational purposes, yes. not um, to actually take any action without specific financial advice. Part of me, I was yeah. just thinking that. I wonder how many of your audience members that are in professions too go, oh, that's in my profession now too. We can't talk about this or talk about that because it's not compliant or, you know, there's a compliance or we get audited. Yeah. It's yeah. Funny. Well, exactly. So disclosures, you know, talk to, this is meant for you to understand that it's not as simple as taking a couple of investments and that that's going to be the thing that like answers the question of will you have enough yeah. the whole idea here is to help people realize that you know planning things out like sitting down really taking a look at things understanding where you are and more specifically where you want to be when you're 70 80 90 like you want to you know have a plan and bridge that gap between where you are now and where you want to be and see if you're heading in the direction of your goals Right, and that if you don't know the answer, then that's the appropriate time to uh, find somebody who is qualified to answer those questions, right? So that's really what we're trying to highlight is the difference between like, oh, I'm just gonna put a little money here and a little money there just willy-nilly because, you know, it may sound good or like, yeah, the, you know, TFSA, it's tax-free, like I should just do that, right? Really, the point is, is get advice, right? Get advice, make a plan, you know, make sure that you have enough at the uh, at the end of the line, right? Well, even you know, I would, if I'm going to do one thing, I'm going to spend more of my time on the planning process than on the investment, because the planning is all about you and what your your patterns are and what you tend to do, and that's going to make you aware of well where you should invest your money, as opposed to trying to look at a stock as a lottery ticket. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I guess my other question is like when should people start thinking about this like, when's a good time to make a plan 
yesterday. I don't. It, you know, it's you know, it's the old thing. We, that's a tough one. To, I yeah. Early and often is you know, there's so many lines. When should I invest? Early and often, and like it's yeah, all the stuff out there. It's yeah, life comes up, and but I th- I think with planning, start now. I mean, you can do your own basic plan to get going. What do you got to pay next month in daycare? What do you got to pay next month in groceries? What do you got to pay next month in maintenance and things? And just, it's it's, you know, it's the non-sexy stuff that's writing it down, looking at getting all that together is going to get you to that next level, which gets you to the next level of, of I mean, investing. you're going to have to do that part anyways when you come to a financial planner. Like just even doing your basic budget and just knowing like what's coming in, what's going out and what you have, like just knowing and having that all in one place is probably a good place to start. And then you can take that and go, can somebody please make sense of this for me? You know, it's funny. I'll just share something. I don't know how many times I'll sit down on a plan. Someone's like, no, you know, I'm going to take money from here and do this. And if we pull it out of this, we'll do this. And you start going, your tax rates over here. Like you slide across and go, your tax rates, this, by doing this, it's going to cost you this much money. Did you, you know, you, you forget as the planner, like you're thinking everyone's putting as much thought into this and knows the rules around it. But a lot of times people are just coming in saying, I need the money. And they're not thinking of where to take it from. Or I want to build something. They're not thinking of where to put it and what's going to give them the best. Not to let taxes always run the plan, but at least you have that category. It's going to say, this is your marginal tax rate. This is your effective tax rate. Yeah. You probably want to know what those two things mean. Yeah. Okay. So here's just a little bit you can, when someone throws out your marginal tax rate. That means something to you if you're going to do something, like take something out after you've made money. Meaning for the year. Cash out. When you're cashing out. Or or even making an investment. The impact it's going to have when you add it on to what you've earned for income for the year. Because in Canada and most countries, you have a progressively increasing tax rate. Like if you make little, you're it's not proportionately going up. It kind of curves high. Yeah. Um, so... Knowing, knowing, uh, like um, um, that number, what the last dollar that you take out or earn, what the tax rate is on that, that's your marginal. Okay. Your effective is your average. Just saying, right? This is what. Yeah. You made a hundred grand this year. You're going to pay an average of whatever thirty thousand dollars or twenty five thousand. But that doesn't mean if you make another thousand, you pay twenty five cents on that thousand. No, you're probably going to pay fifty cents on that. Or. F- on each dollar, 50, 50 cents on the dollar. Yeah, yeah. Not on the thousand. Yeah. Okay, so... Pull us back on track before we get into too many numbers here. And oh, yeah, no, I mean, I, it, <laughs> well, it's just really, I, I, I think it's just coming back to the fact of, you know, will I have enough and how do you know? That is one right? of the six questions. So the software that I use, they designed it to say, someone's gonna to come to you and say, do I have enough? Another question I'll say is, which assets should I start taking income from first? Ah, okay. Because there's different, or here's another one, government benefits. Do I take my pension plan early or wait till later? Like you can you can find all those impacts. That's right, because does. if you take your pension early, from my understanding, the amount that you're taking, that's going to stay that amount. Like if you take it early, let's say it's a thousand dollars a month, it's going to be a thousand dollars a month till. Uh, it depends. Some have costs like government benefits will do cost of living on them. 
like okay. you do will get an index. Okay. Um, what where we're going with that is you will get paid. So now you're getting into comp- some complex situations of working out the math of if you if you leave it, you get paid more for delaying it to take it later. Yes. So if you would have got a thousand dollars at sixty, they're going to give you fifteen hundred at sixty five. If you wait till seventy, they'll give you two thousand. Right. Right. Well, if you do your financial plan, you're like, oh my goodness, I got all this income coming in this year. Them giving me a early money, I'm going to lose half of it in taxes. Leave this as long as I can. Right, right. But then you need to know where to where to draw from if you are retired. What about people who don't have? So we're talking about government pension, uh, which is you know, like our CPP, right? Canada um, Pension Plan, your old age security. Now yeah. in other countries, it'll be called like a. Yeah, just a, it, it'll have a different you know, different name. But then there are other people who have like pension plans through their like employers. What about the people who don't have pension plans? That's what your registered retirement savings plans or your four hundred one ks in the United States are for okay. is to give you an incentive to, to put, put that, money away, put money away for okay. yourself. Gotcha. Okay. Now, if you don't have one, you're normally being you. I would say you're being compensated a bit higher than someone that does. So that's why you don't have one. Or you're working. There is no. I mean, if yeah. you're, Hence, if you're, why there's a plan, yeah. and then the software kind of takes into consideration all of the. Well, that's that's where you're having that conversation with your financial planner to talk about what your goals are, what how much you think you're going to need per month to to live the lifestyle. Like, what what kind of lifestyle do you want to live? Right. You, you know, you got to plan all that out so that you can so that the financial planner cannot answer the question, "Will I have enough?" If you don't know what you need right or what or what kind of lifestyle you want to live right and i want to seeing as i'm on the living a better life podcast something that i've noticed you know it's, this isn't the first time i've had financial planning software i had one before and it just stopped using it so it was so complicated for the average person it was you know, the version ones when the you know all this stuff that started coming out was too hard but here that isn't what i want to talk about on a living a better life podcast is you probably want to live a better life and most likely live a longer life. So um, it is working. So these financial plans, when you do the software, have defaults. You can change the defaults. Version one that I was using, and this is going back about 20 years ago on it, had a default for people living to 85. That was your default. You just yeah. ran it in. I fill out all the stuff and your projections would go down to 85. If I want to change it, I can make it longer or shorter. But that's the default. That's the norm. You know, interest rates are at this. There are assumptions yeah. that are made. Yes. It's not that anymore. It's not 85. 20 years later, you know what the default age is? 100. So we've added 15 years. Like if our if our life expectancy was getting shorter, the software is not going to put in a longer date for you to live. They're kind of warning people that you're going to be living longer. You may want to pay attention to this stuff because some of the stuff that applied when people were dying at 85 may not apply if you're dying at a hundred. Right. And we're getting into risk tolerance and certain ways of designing portfolios that you may see a bit of a shakeup. And it's just a little, I like to be out a little ahead of what's happening. And that's something I'm noticing is our life expectancy. And I, I wonder if the next version will be 120. Well, it'll certainly be interesting as you know, you both, you and I, uh, I don't know if it's Peter Diamandis talking about it, basically saying if you can just live long enough, you'll live forever. I guess this is like 
the, his kind of quote, not necessarily that we're all going to live forever, but I think what he's saying is if you can live long enough, like we'll have a lot of medical advancements uh, and technology that will extend our life expectancy. So it's, it's just, just interesting to see where that all goes, considering it's 2020. It's like, where's, you know, what's what's the next 40 years look like for us? And, you know. Where anyways, are the flying cars from Blade Runner? They were I, supposed to be here. By well, now. I was going to say, where are the flying cars? I mean, they're out there. They're just not uh, mass marketed at this point. Um, I want to thank you very much for coming on the podcast, uh, sharing your wealth of like knowledge. Just, I think... You know, because I'll listen to you talking about stuff and I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about, <laughs> right? And like, what do you mean I need to get all this stuff together? Like, I don't know. My dad told me to do this. So I'm just doing this. And then, you know, it's like, oh, I want to do this renovation. It's like, should I do this or should I do this? And you're like, listen, we need to sit down and like plan this all out. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, you know, it's, it doesn't, it's not very exciting for me, but I understand why it's so important and i figure if i'm i can't be the only person sitting here going really i need to do a plan okay but i want people to understand why it might be good because well we want to live a better life and finances are part of living that better life so why not talk about it and if you're gonna like the software programs say that you're gonna live a longer life well Better. It's better to be a better life than a boring life. So yeah, a little bit of planning. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Exactly. So thank you. Uh, it's great being on the show and being able to share with your audience. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. And uh, obviously we want to thank our listeners. And uh, if you're not subscribed, um, make sure you do subscribe. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, you know, um, podcasts for Google and Android and all of that. So we're, we're basically everywhere. You just got to click the button to subscribe and you'll stay up to date with our latest and greatest podcast. So we'll say bye for now. Thank you for listening to Living a Better Life podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our show to stay up to date with our latest and greatest episodes. We would also love to hear your comments, suggestions, and reviews. Thanks again. Until the next episode. Bye for now.